but the Halo guys really do care about getting things right and making it consistent. Um, and they're, you know, they, they take it personally when they screw things up or if I screw things up. Like, let's make sure we do better next time. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Gob. Welcome to episode four of the Archive Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Matt Forbeck. He's going to be joining Jones, not me, because I couldn't make this episode. Uh, long story short, my studio, what I record with, all my equipment is in pieces, meaning it's all parted out in different locations. So I wasn't able to join, but Jones handled it like a pro. Shout out to Jones. Thank you for coming in clutch with Matt Forbeck, the author of the newly released Bad Blood. He talks a little bit about, uh, you know, how he got his start in writing, how he found Halo, a couple interesting stories, his process. Uh, But before we get to all that, I just want to really quick uh, follow up on something that I announced in the beginning of the last podcast uh, about the archive album. It's a collection of music that we are putting out that anyone would be able to use for free on whatever YouTube video, podcast, or whatever they want to use it for. Um, so, for example, the music you're hearing in the background now is a track off of that album. Um, at the end of this podcast, I will play an entire track in full that doesn't have an official name yet. We're going to let you guys, the community, uh go ahead and and come up with a name so if you hear this track at the end of the podcast and uh, on twitter and you get a name that jumps out to you all you have to do is tweet it to myself archive god or at jones at adv jones or at the official archive account at archive install that's all you got to do so hopefully hopefully we get some cool names coming in because the testing name that has now is just kind of boring just kind of generic so it'd be cool to have a name from one of you guys make it onto the album but i'm gonna stop running my mouth here and we'll get right to the interview so again thank you jones 100 for coming in clutch doing this one solo did an excellent job thank you matt Forback, for joining us and uh, as always thank you all for listening Did you always want to get started into writing? Was it your first thing, a hobby at first, or? Uh, no, I had always wanted to be a writer since I was pretty young. Um, I went off to college with the idea that I was going to get a creative writing degree and get an electrical engineering computer science degree. Uh, this was back in the late 80s, so it was a while ago. But um, uh, I had always wanted to be a writer, but my parents had said, hey, you need to get a job <laughs> with something that's, get a degree or something that's actually useful. So I actually had a dual degree program at the University of Michigan where I was going to get a creative writing degree, a BA in creative writing, and a a BS in electrical engineering computer science within five years. And about two years into it, I realized that if I got the job, if I actually got the degree in computer science, I'd go out and get a job and promise myself I was going to write in the evenings, and I was never going to get around to doing it. So I uh, decided to throw myself in the deep end of the pool, and I ditched down on the computer science degree. And graduated from the University of Michigan in three years total. 
and got my creative writing degree and promised myself and my parents that if I boned it up entirely, I would just go back to school and finish off the engineering degree. And here I am, you know, a couple decades on, I haven't gone back. So it worked out pretty well for me, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I have no complaints about that. I still get, I, I love computers. I work with computer games. It's helped me do a lot of things for different things like toy design and such. But, um, you know, it was uh, never my first love, right? Kind of something I like to blend. And computer video games give me a lot of ways to be able to do that where I can still talk uh, to the coders and the modelers and everybody else, the game designers. Um, but I also uh, get to use my narrative skills, which is something that's pretty important to me too. Did you happen to do anything besides besides writing beforehand, like any other industries that you happen to dabbled in maybe or had, I guess, a larger influence in? I, was, I started out as a tabletop game designer, actually, right? Um, so when I was in college, actually even when I was in high school, I used to do uh, a lot of tabletop role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons. And I, when I was 16 years old, I started at what would be now thought of as a gaming zine, um, which was a little ma mini magazine that we had started. Uh, that lasted a whole two issues, but I went up and interviewed the people at TSR who did Dungeons and Dragons back in the day. And then when I went off to college, I got involved with a guy named Will Niebling, who was the uh, he was the first sales manager for TSR, which again published D and D, and also was then a freelance sales uh, manager for a bunch of different companies, including Iron Crown and Mayfair Games, Grenadier Models. And I ended up working for him while I was in college and going off to a lot of different trade shows and such. Uh, and then working my way into doing game design. When I got out of college, I went to go work for Games Workshop over in Nottingham for six months on a student work visa. Uh, those are the guys who do Warhammer, Warhammer 40,000, Blood Bowl, etc. And uh, then when I got back, I started full-time freelancing game design. I ended up doing a lot of writing for Dungeons and & Dragons and other things. And uh, even founded a company called Pinnacle Entertainment Group, which did Deadlands and Brave New World and a whole bunch of other uh, games like Savage Worlds eventually. And uh, I ended up doing that for a long time, and then I started writing novels in about 2002, 2003. Um, and so I've been doing that for, geez, almost 15 years now, I guess. Uh, my first novels started coming out in 2004 from Wizards of the Coast and from Games Workshop, which is possibly no coincidence that these were people I'd published a lot of games for in the past. So uh, I kind of worked my way into the, doing novels through the back door through these guys. And then uh, since then, I went on to sell a bunch of original novels, and obviously I'm doing Halo novels. Now. Like, what are some other areas that you like within writing besides Halo? Like, what are some other uh, other franchises, I guess is a better way to put it, that sure. you've had fun with? Uh, well, I get to write the, uh, uh, the novelization, the junior novelization for Rogue One for Star Wars, and that was a blast. That must have been I got fun. to go fly out to Lucasfilm and read the script nine months at a time and see the dailies and tour uh, industrial light and magic and all that it was kicking the ass i love that nice um i uh like i said i've worked on dungeons and dragons a lot so now i'm i'm actually in september i have uh four endless quest books which were these pick a path books for dungeons and dragons they did in the 80s and 90s and they're coming out with a new series and i'm writing the first four four okay. um and i also did a book called dungeonology for them last year which was a combination of the uh, like Dragonology, Spyology, the whole Ology series, they actually licensed Dungeons & Dragons for and hired me to write that. Mm -hmm. uh, also written a number of Marvel books over the years for DK Publishing, uh, including the Marvel Encyclopedia, which has been a bestseller for a long time now. Yeah. Uh, and that just, every time Christmas comes along, everybody buys it for every kid. 
It seems. That's sort of a needed it's, thing you know, for every kid. It's um, so, yeah, what else have I written for? Uh, I started out doing tie-in novels for uh, Dungeons & Dragons and a game called Blood Bowl, which was fantasy yeah, football. Yeah, I remember seeing that. That, that looked pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I yeah, so I wrote four novels and five comic books for that, if you can believe it. And I also wrote comic books for Magic the Gathering. I wrote a year's worth of comic books for Magic the Gathering for uh, IDW, which has the license for those things. Nice. Um, take a look at my shelf here. So it also been, I've got a big bookshelf over here full of stuff I've worked out over the years. <laughs> uh, I've done toy design. I worked on a Star Trek toy uh, for Playmates Toys. Mm-hmm. That was a play kit where you got a phaser and a, and a uh, communicator and a belt that would send the kids out to do missions. Yeah. And I wrote all the dialogue for that and... Uh, Program the uh, random adventure generator that uh, went into it. So that's cool. Uh, that's neat. All sorts of different things over the years. It's been a long career. It's been a lot of fun. I get to write video games too. I've worked on uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. I wrote a big chunk of that. Oh, I remember seeing that. That was pretty yeah. neat. It's a neat game. I also was a story doctor for um, Assassin's Creed Origins, yep. which came out last year, yep. and a bunch of other games, a little bit older. Some of which uh, the amazing thing about video games is a lot of times they don't ever come out. In fact, they're never announced. There are a lot of games that are never announced. Yeah. But you, know, you still get to work on them and still get paid for them, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your writing process like? Sort of short bursts? Any unique methods or rituals? Well, I like to try to get up in the morning when, you know, it's summer right now, so it's a lot looser than that. But yeah. uh, I've still got kids in school, so I like to get up in the morning when my wife takes the kids to school because uh, she works at the same school they do. They're all in high school now, except for my one who's off to college. And she's a school social worker. So she brings the kids to school. I get up, start working. Often I'll end up answering emails or getting on Twitter or whatever and screwing around a bit. And then sit down and try to write. Uh, if I've got a project I'm working on that's on a deadline, I'll just sit down and try to crank out words uh, as fast as I can. Hopefully to an approved outline I've already got done. Uh, other times I'm working on, uh, you know, I've got a tabletop game I'm supposed to be working on right now. A couple of them, actually. Um and then I work until everybody comes home until at, you know, three thirty, four o'clock, take off the rest of the evening. And then usually I'll start working again after everybody's gone to bed or supposed to have gone to bed, as it often is with teenagers. Yep. <laughs> um, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I try to sit down and write. I'm a fairly quick writer. Uh, on, a, on a regular day when I'm cooking, I can usually put out about 5,000 words, which is a lot. Um, and if I'm, you know, I'm... Some days I only hit 1,000 or 2,000. I'm still happy. Every day you put down pages is more pages you don't have to write another day. So. <coughs> Excuse yeah. me. But, you know, I, that makes it sound a little bit more workmanlike than maybe art should be. But uh, to me, this is a job as well. Yeah. I, yeah. If I screw this up, if I don't actually make enough money at it, if I don't put bread on the table, then I have to go find a job doing something else. Yeah. And yeah. so I try to take this as seriously, if not more seriously, than any job I might have with anybody. Yeah. Because uh, this way I get to live the life I like to live. I get to be flexible with my schedule. I get to uh, write my own stuff as well as stuff for other people. Yep. I get to be my own boss. Yeah, exactly. Right? Be your own boss. Hammer yourself down. So these are all things I'm willing to work hard for yeah. as opposed to you know, finding myself having to scramble for work for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you happen to find your way into Halo? That's an interesting story, actually. Um, I, had, uh, I had just moved back to Wisconsin uh, from Virginia back in 1999 after my first son was born. Um, he was born in 98, late 98. We moved back in 99. And I ended up interviewing for a job down at Bungie in Chicago, back when their offices were in Chicago. 
and I think it was going to be for one of their one of their myth games, um, their fantasy tactical games that they were doing, um, or strategic games, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Anyhow, um, so when I was down there, I was talking to Bob Settles, who was down there, and I didn't end up getting the job. I ended up going to John Tynes, who then ended up working for Microsoft for a couple decades. John's a good friend of mine. He wrote a game called Puppet Land. It's a tabletop game. Okay. Um, so if I had to lose out to somebody, losing out to John was okay. But while I was there, they showed me a demo of Halo that they were working on. And they were, uh, it was really pretty amazing. You know, the stuff they hadn't shown to the public at all yet. And they were like, look, you can even see, like, different colored dirt comes off the tires of the Warthog as it goes across different types of terrain. I'm like, wow. Just the, the thought and the detail they had put into it. Um, so when it finally, when they got sold to Microsoft after that, and then... When they finally came out the game as a as an Xbox exclusive, I was like, I'm totally on board with this. I played every game, probably two times, maybe three times through before the before I started writing Halo novels, because uh, I thought Halo was just a great game for. Uh, it's a great introductory first person shooter, right, for kids yeah. especially. So whenever I was starting my kids off on, you know, they're big gamers as well. But if I'm starting them off on FPSs, I always turn to Halo first because it's a game where there's not too much blood, there's not a lot of gore. Yeah. Um, most of the blood is you're shooting aliens as opposed to people. There, there's very clear black and white when you're doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's something that a, a tween or whatever is going to have a lot better time stomaching than mm-hmm. maybe something you know, like Call of Duty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Recon, yeah. So I started on that. Another great thing was that Halo often had co-op play, couch co-op play, so I could sit down with them and play through the levels with them mm-hmm. and have a great time doing that. Um, and. So by the time I actually got the call to see if I was interested in writing Halo novels, uh, I had gone through the games a couple different times already, maybe two or three for each of them. And then I had started writing a book, or I had written a book called uh, Ghost of Ascalon for a game called Guild Wars, which is an MMO that came out several years ago. And it was supposed to be a, 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 a bridge book between Guild Wars 1 and Guild Wars 2. And I wrote that for Simon and Schuster for a guy named Ed Schlesinger over there, for my editor. And when I found out that Tor had lost the license for Halo, and it had gone over to Simon and Schuster, and that Ed was going to be the editor, I wrote him an email right away saying, "Ed, I want to write these books." <laughs> and he writes me back, and says, "Matt, I was just writing you." <laughs> I'm like, "Excellent." So, this works uh, out. nice. So, can we do this? And he said, "Yes, let's do this." So I ended up writing New Blood, which is my first story for them and that that did well enough they hired me on to write two more novels and then hopefully i'll write more for them after this if i sit the uh, last of those just finally came out uh, on june 26 so not all that long ago mm-hmm. and i had a ball working with that crew it's a really tight wonderful group of people um nice. not just ed over at uh at gallery and, and simon schuster but uh tiffany o'brien and jeremy Patton out over at uh at jeff easterling etc over at 343 Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every time I come up with something, they're like, well, you know, whenever you're doing these kind of things, it's always you're shooting in the dark because I'm not working inside the studio. And there's, you know, 16 other people who know what's going on better than I do inside yeah. the studio. But fortunately, I can tap all those people. So if I come up with a crazy idea, they can say, well, that's not going to work. But <clears throat> here's a better idea for you if you think this will work instead. Yeah. And then they'll let me riff off that and come up with my own take on it. Uh, so it's always been a very productive and fun environment to work in. I really enjoy working those days. That's good. That's good. Always a, it's always needed for like cross compatibility and workmanship between it. Because for projects like that, at least from what I've noticed, it just makes it more yeah. fluid. 
No, it's very tricky. You know, I rely on these guys to help me help keep me up to date on all the lore and everything else. A lot of times, it's stuff that uh, unless you're the tiniest nitpicker in the world, you're never going to notice in the background of the game, or yeah. stuff that they put into a book that came out, you know, 12 years ago, and you're not going to know that either, or it came out on, a, on an article on their website, and you're not yeah. going to. Very minute, so, minute details. But these guys know it backwards and forwards, right? Mm-hmm. So anytime somebody picks out something in one of my books, says he didn't get that right, I'm like, well, I probably made the initial mistake, but it was all vetted by these guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they usually do. They're really good about it. No, yeah, they usually really are. Like uh, that's what at least what I've noticed within themselves and the community too. They're really good about engaging and making sure that I guess the right information's out and yeah. making sure they can make the information right as best as possible so they care about it right yeah. I mean there are some companies you work with they are like yeah whatever you know yeah. it's all whatever exactly but the Halo guys really do care about getting things right and making it consistent mm-hmm. um, and they're you know they, they take it personally when they screw things up or if I screw things up like mm-hmm. let's make sure we do better next time yeah. it's not like anybody's you know, you know up against the wall for having made a typo or whatever but um, you know I care about these things too it's, it's detail oriented work at a certain level yeah um, and, you know, of course, the fun stuff is often not in the details, but in the grand scope of things, the sweep of the stories. But it still has to be grounded solidly in this secondary universe that we've come up with. That's what makes it feel real, right? And if you ignore that kind of stuff, then you're, you're, uh, you're breaking, you're chipping away at the foundation on which you're standing and you're telling the stories. Yeah. Exactly. It's good to have a solid foundation. Exactly. So the, uh, your newest book, Bad Blood, was pretty good. I've, I've personally liked it myself. Thank the, you. the last, like, 20, 30 pages, sort of like on the edge of my seat kind of feeling. <laughs> That's I, good. That's why I like The entire it. time I was just thinking, oh, man, is it going to happen? Is this going to happen? Is, is, is they, are they really going to be gone? Oh, but nope. It, it, so it worked out. It worked out. But the, I guess one of the bigger things was the very first part in the book, the first uh, chapter, I would say, maybe, maybe a chapter or two. Might not even, it might be just the first chapter, maybe the first half. Um, the uh, pretty much ending continuation of Halo 5. Uh, how was it like writing that essentially? Um, that was a lot of fun, right? I mean, uh, for one, I got to get inside of the heads of the developers and say, okay, what should be happening here? What's going on here? Um, how should this continue from here? And, you know, we actually went through two or three different versions of it, just trying to figure out what was the right tone to take, who were the right characters to lead this kind of stuff. Um, and I liked it a lot. I mean, I, part of you know, Part of the, con- the conceit with those blood books, either, whether it's new blood or bad blood, is it's all told from uh, Sergeant Buck's or Spartan Buck's point of view, uh, which is Nathan Fillion, the yeah. uh, guy accent. Yeah. And it's always kind of fun to have Nathan's voice rolling around in my head. Um, but yeah, that was kind of neat because I got to take the actual story from the latest video game and then continue it on and write an epilogue for it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led directly into the rest of the story. But that was just it. I mean, the story itself, while it's the the bulk of the story is more important than the epilogue for Halo 5, mm-hmm. you can't do that story if you don't have the epilogue for Halo 5. Right? Yeah, true. This continues true. directly on from there. Yeah. Uh, like literally, you know, seconds afterwards. So, uh, so to be able to take that on and say, hey, you like the game? Here's a story about what happens to one of the main characters of the game right after that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was, I had a blast working on it. It was just neat to, you know, I get to put words in the mouths of, you know, Master Chief and Locke and all the rest of them and Halsey, etc. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of fun to play with all these iconic characters. Um, on that, another interaction within the first, the first uh, couple pages, like in that first part of chapter, um, what was it like uh, with that 
the conversation with John and Thel, did you have any like ideas to make it maybe more longer or was it the plan to go ahead and make it sort of short and simple sweet because that's sort of how those two are essentially somewhat? Yeah, you know, that's just it. One thing about uh, Master Chief is he doesn't talk a whole lot, right? So yeah. he's not gonna emote a whole lot. He's not gonna have a bonding conversation. Um, but for two, again, it was supposed to be from Buck's point of view. So I, I was pretty strongly brought into that. Uh, third is that um, when, you, when you're telling these stories, I mean, they gave me a lot more leeway with Buck than they did with a lot of other characters, right? Because it's, it's of what might be coming up in the next games, and honestly, they don't even know a lot at this point, or they're not willing to share with me a lot as to what's happening. That's not that they don't know. The trick is that uh, things tend to change, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, as they're developing the game, they'll say, well, this would be better if we did this this way, this would be better if we did this this way. And over the course of the years they're developing the game, they'll change. Yep. And so they don't want to be locked into something by the lore of a novel that I came up with yeah. when it might be much, much better for the game to have it this way and supposed to that way. And so, uh, like, for instance, original, in one of the original drafts, I had some of the, the blue team showing up at the end of the book, too. right? And they're like, well, we're not sure if they're there, so could you not put them in there? I'm like, hmm. okay, you know, we could have uh, Fire Team Osiris will be there, but uh, Blue yeah, Team. Yeah, I see like, that. Yeah, I, I can um, see. And just because, again, they don't want to be locked in anything particularly through a novel. Well, I like doing the novels, and they're a very huge part of the lore, and they're very important to guys at 343. Uh, we all know that the video game is the dog, and the, the novels are the tail, right? And the, the tail should not wag the dog, so to speak. We need to uh, make sure it's always the other way around. Yeah, yeah. And there's so much more, uh, the amount of money and resources that go into developing a video game as opposed to a novel, it's, you know, several orders of magnitude higher. So, yeah. uh, so we always try to respect the actual original there and, and uh, let it have its freedom. Have its own kind of lane kind of thing, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I guess you already sort of touched on it earlier within these last few questions. How was it, um, you know, approaching writing as Buck or even like, you know, writing around the other characters as well? Yeah. Well, for Buck, it was pretty easy. I mean, for a lot of the Alpha Team guys, I'd already done, or Alpha 9 guys, yeah. I'd already done uh, New Blood. And, mm -hmm. But the way I approached that, essentially, was I sat down, I played the game again all the way through. Um, and I also, uh, if you go to YouTube, everybody's got videos of all this stuff now. So if I had any questions about anything, anything that maybe I didn't remember quite right, I could always go to the primary source yep. and look it up right away. Uh, also, there's tons of wikis out there. And Microsoft has got their own internal wikia for this stuff, too or wiki for this stuff. Nice. And uh, so it's, I have lots of different resources out there. But you know, essentially doing that and just having uh, Nathan Fillion's voice rattling around the back of my head for about six months. Uh, so I got the pattern and the, and the tone and everything else, kind of vocabulary that he uses in the game, uh, down pat. Uh, when I went back for Bad Blood, I tried to expand it to a little bit more to a lot of the other characters and try to get their voices a little bit harder this time. I mean, it's all told from... Nathan's more from Buck's point of view, right? Mm -hmm. So he's definitely the tone of the actual writing is that when we get down to dialogue and the kind of things that people would do whenever, especially uh, Mickey, who becomes a pretty big character in Bad Blood, um, I want to make sure I got the tone for him right and the yeah. uh, and the, the attitude for him, right? Especially since it's changed a lot over the last couple books yeah. compared to what we saw in Halo 3 ODST. Yeah, true. True. Um, did you... Uh, I guess actually the next one. Um, will there be another blood book? 
I'd love to. That's really up to the guys at okay. 343 and uh, Simon & Schuster. So okay. uh, I'm going to be meeting with some of them at Comic-Con in a couple weeks. I'm going to be going out to Comic-Con signing some novels there for uh, both for Simon & Schuster and their booth. And I'm also going out there for Candlewick to sign some of the uh, the Endless Quest Dungeons & Dragons books I was talking about earlier. Nice, nice. And uh, so I'll be out there. God, it's not even, <laughs> not even two weeks away uh, <laughs> to sign a bunch of books. And I will be seeing my editor and uh, Tiffany from uh, 343 as well. And I'm sure this will be a topic of conversation for us. Yep. Probably. Most likely. It seems like it, it could easily be a, another good story coming up. But, yeah, let's hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, I've got plenty of work to do either way. I'm working on other things at the moment. Um, but I'm always happy to work with those guys again. Yep. Um, did, did you plan for maybe for Bad Blood to be a little bit longer than it was? Did you want it to be longer, or was it pretty much around the same No, it size? was, uh, it, Bad Blood was pretty much dead on to where I wanted it to be. Um, when I when I start a book, actually, I always, especially if you're doing tie-in stuff, you have to do an outline, right? So mm-hmm. I will sit down and figure out, you know, they usually give you a bracket of the number of words they want, like, uh, you know, for uh, New Blood, I think it was forty to 50,000 words, and for Bad Blood, I think it was in the ninety to 100,000 word range. So I know roughly this, the scope of the story I want to tell as far as you know, how many number of pages I want to do. Uh, and then when I do the outline, I'll actually break it down chapter by chapter, trying to figure out exactly how long I want it to be, how many different twists, reveals, how many different types of scenes I want to have in there. Uh, and when I do an outline, I usually do like just two or three sentences per chapter when I'm doing a, a basic outline, just so that as I'm writing, when better ideas occur, I don't mind throwing that away, right, and then coming up with something better as I go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, because of that, it helps keep me on pace. It helps keep, the, as you're noticing, you know, it helps keep the, the tension in the story up pretty high because I'm not meandering off or anywhere. I'm always concentrating, trying to get people to what's going to happen next, what's going to mm-hmm. happen at the end of the story, what keep you turning pages essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I put a lot of effort into that. But part of that's plotting the book out ahead of time and knowing exactly where I'm going so that when I, I can foreshadow everything and get you excited about different things. And it can lead you to that point where you're on the edge of your seat and then hopefully deliver a good reveal for you when you get to that point. Make the, the wait worthwhile. Exactly. Do you think there, I'm guessing this is probably up in the air as well, but any possible sequel for Legacy of Onyx? No, we talked about that too originally. Um, you know, if it's very possible if everything goes well, they'll end up writing two different series for Halo, right? It'll be a, a Buck series and an Onyx series, essentially. Um, uh, I think they all liked the stuff that we had done with Legacy of Onyx. Uh, it really kind of built out the world and separated it out from uh, Halo from the Halo video games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think some people are like, oh my God, no, we've, we've separated them out. That actually gives us a lot more freedom. As I was talking about earlier, when you're when you have other video games in development, mm-hmm. to be able to separate your one part of the universe off and then say, okay, now we're going to tell whatever the hell stories we want to tell in this area, knowing that the video game can't crush them by accident and they can't crush the video game by accident, right? Yeah. So true. there's yeah. plenty of really wonderful, cool things we could do there, and I'm looking forward to playing. Um. Well, I don't think I have anything else really written here. Okay. Um, we got a good amount of time here. Yeah. But if anything, it was a great interview. It was really nice meeting you. It's good to meet you too. Yeah. Thanks for uh, hopefully sometime I can uh, so meet good. you at one of these conventions or something like that. But well, I'm going to be at Comic Con and I'll be at uh, Gen Con, which is another big one this summer. So. In uh, what location? That's in Indianapolis. Okay. Okay. 
I'm not sure about myself, but I can just pass them on to a few friends. There you go. So, yeah. I'm also going to be at Game Hole Con up in Madison, Wisconsin okay. uh, in November, which is a tabletop gaming convention. Sounds good. I'll go ahead and pass yeah. that along. I'm always happy to meet people and chat. All right, thank you, Matt Forbeck, for that great interview. And thanks one more time to Jones for holding it down for us. You did great. Um, it sounds like Matt's been able to do a lot of cool stuff that you may have otherwise not known about. Because I know I didn't. Uh, if you want to follow Matt, he's on Twitter, at M4Beck. Real easy. Just his name, at M4Beck. Uh, you heard at the end, Matt mentioned some places he's going to be. So I figure I'm going to lay him out here real quick for you guys. He'll be at the San Diego Comic Con which is running from July 18th to 22nd. Uh, most relevant to, to most of us listening is Friday, July 20th at 11 a.m. at the Simon & Schuster booth number 1128. Uh, there's going to be some Halo novels for sale, including Bad Blood. So if you're in the area, go see him. You might be able to snag yourself a signed copy. Um, that same day, he'll be back along with a handful of other writers at 2 p.m. for the International Association of Media Tie-In Writers Scribe Awards. That's a mouthful. <laughs> but he's also going to be at that Comic-Con uh, the, at the 21st and the 22nd. You can find the details on his website. Real quick, some more dates. Gen Con, Indianapolis, he'll be there August. Well, it runs August 2nd to the 5th. Gen Hole Con in Madison, Wisconsin, November 8th to the 11th. And you can find all the details on those dates at fourback.com. And that brings us to one last piece of business here. You heard my spiel at the beginning, so I'm going to try not to repeat myself too much. Uh, what you're about to hear is a full track of the upcoming archive album, collection, mixtape, whatever you want to call it. This is the full finished track. Its working title is Loss, L-O-S-S, Loss. Uh, but we're going to open it up. You guys can submit any name that comes to mind when you hear this, really. Uh, the easiest way to do this would be to send whatever titles pop in your head. You can tweet at us uh, in general at the archive account at archive install. Just me at archive gab or Jones at ADV Jones. Or if you're on our Discord, you can obviously DM us there. You know, really, it's whatever is convenient to you. We'll make it work. <laughs> but, all right, without further ado, here's the track. Thank you for listening to this entire podcast. Thank you, Matt Forbeck, for coming on. And, hey, I hope you like what you're about to hear. Thank you. Thank you.